Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football, with your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. It is great to be back with another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I am your host, John Bauer. Find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. It is our first episode of the 2022 offseason, and I have to tell you, it feels fantastic that the point-scoring portion of the Dynasty calendar year has ended. And unfortunately, Mitch and Dan, they're not joining me again today. It's another solo show, so bear with me. But with the offseason here, there's a lot we want to talk about, a lot I want to talk about. and. The first episode of the offseason every year, Mitch and I, we we talked about this back when we were Super Flexology and then when Dan joined us with Dynasty Theory. Where did we go wrong throughout the previous season? What were some of the processes we had in place that we believe can be improved upon and some items and some some ways that we went about things that maybe just didn't pan out. Is it a process failure? Is it something that just didn't work for that specific season? So I want to dive into that a little bit tonight. Now, what I typically do when we have a show, it's the same uh, format on a yearly basis. I like to go back and listen to the previous episodes. What did we talk about this time last year? As soon as the 2020 season ended, what were some of those processes that we wanted to improve upon? And what did we think that kind of led to some failures during that season? A few of the items, if you didn't build with depth, you shot yourself in the foot. That is a quote from the incredible Mitch Sorensen investing in low to no draft capital quarterbacks. That has to do with Gardner Minshew last year. And that was something that I know Mitch, he invested heavily at least at his price, and acquired multiple shares. So that's kind of something that going into this year, I know was on Mitch's radar. Something that really popped up during our projections, and it's a major issue, and we all do it to an extent, whether it is a wide receiver core that is completely depleted and we talk about, well, somebody has to get the targets, right? Or a running back room where there isn't much available, the fallacy of somebody has to get the work. And that was something me specifically, I was looking at heading into 2021, and it was something that I wanted to think about and keep in the back of my mind whenever I'm going through, especially the projections. And the big thing for me that this came up last year was Le'Veon Bell, right? We saw him in New York. We knew the offense was going to struggle, but there wasn't really much behind him for him to lose a significant portion of that rushing market share, the target share out of the backfield. That was kind of the thought leading into the offseason and into 2020. Well, we know how that played out. So I think that's something to keep in mind, whether it's your personal projections, just how you expect things to play out on a short-term basis but also from a dynasty perspective, because we all know, and I I say this constantly, right? The short-term outcomes play such a significant role in 
the longer term values and have those implications that are critical. So again, the fallacy of somebody has to get the work. That's something that I wanted to personally improve on because it did slip into my subconscious from time to time. Rookie evaluation improvements, and this is something that Mitch brought up, and the example he used was Antonio Gibson because he was lower on him. Again, this is from this time last year. So recapping the 2020 season, what our process improvements and where we go wrong, things we wanted to focus on. So it was running backs with low rushing usage in college, but were fairly athletic and used in the passing game. So I think that's something that for the most part, looking at the 2021 rookies, I I don't know if there were any hard fades due to low usage in college that really came back to bite us. So I think that's one that really played out well moving forward. And then for me, oh my goodness. And those of you that have been in leagues with me that are in our discord that have heard me on guest spots, I have talked about, Players and you know specifically quarterbacks like the Jimmy Garoppolo's, the Matt Ryan's, those quarterback twos, mid to late quarterback twos with that price tag that have a low floor because they lack rushing upside, right? And that was something this time last year. I said I'm going to get away from it. I'm going to tweak, you know, the general process. So when when you're in a startup. When you're in an existing league, you're looking to add to those players. You're looking to pivot off of them one way or another. Maybe you're not necessarily moving them for a quarterback, but you're able to get off of them for decent value looking at running back, wide receiver, tight end, maybe draft picks. But based on, so again, that was last year. Now fast forward to the end of the 2021 season. Based on the way my quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals played out, Looking at the quarterbacks I had on those rosters, there was a theme, and you you can guess it in the, in the tone of my voice here, right? Those types of quarterbacks, that prototype, that mold, they were still lingering on a lot of rosters. So while I got away from them in new leagues, fantastic, you know, great, wonderful, pat myself on the back because that was a process improvement, and I stuck with it, and it worked out well. But the teams that struggled were teams where I had the depth and the pieces necessary at running back, wide receiver, and tight end. And that kind of really carried me throughout the season. And then I look at my quarterbacks, and it was players like Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, who I I still like Carson Wentz, don't get me wrong, but he was underwhelming in a lot of situations. Tua, that was a quarterback that I know Dan has heavy exposure to. And he said, JB, I know I'm not going to be on the show this week, but I want you to mention this for me because it was a process, you know, more a specific player, obviously, but still it really fits into the process improvement that I mentioned from last year. It's those low floor quarterbacks. And we saw that with the guys again, I'm going to mention it one more time, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Tua, and you can throw in several other quarterbacks, but I look across the teams that did well in the championships, semifinals, quarterfinals. It was teams that had those higher upside quarterbacks. Heck, even Trey Lance coming in there for an injured Jimmy Garoppolo, he would have been a significant upgrade despite the question marks. I know there was risk there, but you're going into a finals matchup and you're looking good, but then you're putting up a combined 15 points because of the quarterbacks you're throwing out there. So again, we're sitting here January 4th, 2022. Another, you know, you you might call it a New Year's resolution at this point. I want to get away from those quarterbacks. And 
I'm saying it again, and I know we're going to be sitting, we're going to be sitting here in 2023, and I'm going to say, guys, I said it two years ago, I said it last year. Matt Ryan's still on my team, and I can't get rid of him for the life of me. So that's just something. Looking back over the process improvements from last year, that's the one that still stuck with me. That's the one that I couldn't shake. And I think it's critical to put those goals in place, talk about what we want to do, and then look to achieve it. And that's one still that is, that is sticking with me. And I'm my, my New Year's resolution here in 2022 is to shake those mid to lower end quarterback twos that just have a tremendously low floor. They are going to kill you when you need them most. Now we are in the off season again, finally, thank goodness. I know a lot of people are burnt out. I've, I've talked to a lot of people already, whether they had a great 2021 or subpar, you know, talking about ROI return on investment, talking about wins and losses and how many titles you won. Uh, a lot of people are burnt out. And I think a lot of it is the mental maneuvering week to week, especially when you have those staggered games, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, right? We had a few random Tuesday games. Do I play a player tonight? Do I risk it to play another player that plays? I just said player, player a thousand times. I feel like you ever say a word too many times and it starts to sound a little funny play is in my head right now, but I, I digress as I always do, you know, figuring out, do I, do I risk it? Do I play it safe? Do I go with this guy? Do I go with that guy? That was a big thing for me personally throughout the season. It was, it was that mental exhaustion always. It's, it's a puzzle, always trying to figure out the uh, maneuver those pieces around. And I got to say week 17 was kind of nice. One, I had fewer teams playing than I did throughout the regular season, of course, but also we didn't have to worry about that. There were no Thursday games, no Saturday games. So while I missed it, it was nice knowing Sunday's here. I don't have to make any adjustments till 1130 AM Eastern Standard Time. But the, the point of all that is this was a really tough season for a lot of people for one reason or another. Sometimes it had to do with fantasy or football itself, but a lot of the time it had to do with everything else going on around us. And I talk about the Discord all the time. And I talk about it being a community first and a place to discuss fantasy football second. And I said to everybody in there, from the bottom of my heart, I am grateful for that group because we're able to jump in there, BS with each other, talk about whatever. Again, sure, we talk about fantasy football, but I got to say a lot of the conversations have nothing to do with fantasy football, but it's an outlet for us to be able to talk about things, escape any problems or issues that are going on in our lives. And I know there's a lot going on for a lot of people right now. Everybody in there, much appreciated. The people I interact with on Twitter, talk to on a daily basis. This is an escape. It's an outlet. I think that's a way that people have looked at it. But again, I digress. That should be the name of this episode. I digress. This is what happens when Mitch and Dan don't keep me in line. I digress. Now I'm trying to figure out the point of that whole conversation, that whole monologue, if you will. People need a break, and I understand that. And when you're ready to jump back into fantasy football, you know the Dynasty Theory team is going to be here waiting for you with open arms. But if you are not taking time away, you know we're still here. And I think one of the things you need to be doing is going back looking at trades you made. Okay. This is something I want to spend a little bit more time focusing on personally. And it kind of go, it really does go hand in hand with process improvements. It's something that I want to spend more time doing. I know there's a lot of people that have talked about it and really pushed, Hey, keeping notes on your league mates, keeping notes on yourself and really looking at 
the way that you've built your teams and where you went wrong, what went right. But going back through your trades on a yearly basis, and it's it's going to be easier if you take a note when you make the trade at that time, because you can go through, you can say, here's my thought process. Here's why I'm making this trade. Because if I look at a trade from eight months ago, especially if it looks great on paper, I'm like, oh yeah, that, that panned out really well. But what was the process behind it? Why did I make that trade? Why did I pull the trigger? Why was that something I wanted to pursue to begin with? So while it did work out, was my thought process and rationale correct behind it? Because maybe that leads me astray in the future. So keeping notes whenever you make the trade initially. But if you didn't, that's okay. Go back, at least look at the trade, figure out, try to figure out what your thought process was at the time. And if you can't do that, at least you can see, okay, this is my roster. This is the move I made. Maybe this is why I made it. And usually it's easy to tell, hey, I need a running back. I need a wide receiver, whatever the case may be. I'm looking to consolidate assets in the higher end pieces. I'm looking to diversify my portfolio and maybe break down an asset and get some depth, whatever it is. But once you're able to do that, then you start to see a theme in the trades you make, right? And you start to see the teams that you have that are successful and if they've done well and if you've made the playoffs, whatever it is, maybe something you did this season was make a lot of trades and consolidated assets to get those higher end pieces, but they, then you ran into some issues, right? Maybe your trade deadline passed and you couldn't really go out and make moves. And now you're in the semifinals with a team that is just crippled, whether it's COVID injuries. There was one team, I, Chris Godwin, Travis Kelsey uh, in the finals, Kirk cousins went down obviously out for with uh, COVID, but what are those moves that we're making? What's the thought process behind it? How did it pan out? And we can start to see trends. And I think that's important to identify future success and the types of moves we're making. And maybe we continue to make the same mistake over and over and over again, because at the time it thinks you think, okay, this is, this is a great process. This is something I should be doing. But then you start to look back and you're like, okay, it's never worked out. It's never panned out for me. So why do I continue to do this? And what do they say? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And uh, those of you that listen to Dynasty Theory, those of you that talk to me on a regular basis, I think you can you can tell maybe there's a little bit of a screw loose, a little bit of insanity there, but hopefully it is not in relation to my process and I don't make the same mistake over and over again and expect different results. Heading into the offseason, well, we are in the offseason, process improvements, a big thing there. Look at your trades. What have you done? What was your goal? What was your purpose? What was the point of making the trade? How did it pan out? How can we fix that going forward? Let's minimize those big value losses and the those small trades. You're churning, you're churning, you're churning, and now you're picking up players like a Rashad Penny, a Sony Michelle, a James Conner, players that really help push you and propel you throughout this 2021 season. Another thing that I wanted to throw at Mitch and Dan, and this is something I'm going to connect with them after the, the show here, but what adjustments do we make to our overall strategies from this time last year? And if we did, what didn't work when we connect again, hopefully in two weeks, maybe, maybe we'll bump it up a little bit, but part of our process that we changed that worked well, that's something that we'll talk about on the next show. But for the point of this discussion, what did we change? What did we adjust to our overall strategy from this time last year and what didn't work? 
I can honestly say for me personally, there wasn't much that I changed that necessarily led to a downfall in a league. So in and of itself, that works out well on paper. But again, maybe we go back and we look at it and we look at those trades that I talked about and there's some things that need to be changed that weren't. So that's something that I kind of want to dig into internally a little bit more and think about. And that's something that I think every dynasty manager, fantasy manager should be thinking about. What did I change? Did I try to improve something? Did I try to look at things more analytically? Did I incorporate film into my rookie evaluations? Did I look to consolidate? Did I look to diversify? What did I change? And did I find success from that? Now, the big thing here for me, it's tough in fantasy football because as much research as we do, as much time that we put in, there was still randomness to this game, especially because of the limited schedule. And you run into a buzzsaw. You you have just one bad week. Boom. You're done just like that. You had a 14-0 regular season. You get the buy in the first one of the playoffs, then you get bounced because you run into player X or whoever it is. So it's it kind of is tough to identify if the adjustments led to the downfall, but it's still something I think we need to review and look at moving forward. And then going forward, what what are some process improvements that we want to make from here on out? One thing for me, and this has to do with rookie evaluations and something I've been doing, but I'm spending more time on film analysis. And I say film analysis and you know, a lot of people, they say, um, I'm grinding the tape, I'm grinding the film. And they're watching a minute highlight reel on uh, YouTube, but I'm going in and there are some really good resources on YouTube that have the, uh, you know, fantastic accounts, but it's David Bell against whoever. And it's every play that he took part in there circled there on the tape. And you can see everything he's doing on every single play, whether it's a run, whether it's a, a target going to another player, whatever, a sack, whatever the case may be. Whereas you're watching a highlight film and you were watching just that, the highlights. So you leave impressed. You leave thinking, wow, that guy can do it all, can he? But you didn't see the play where he failed to to block somebody for the, the running back that was taking it out wide. You didn't see the the one where it was an incomplete pass because he ran the wrong route or he stopped short or gave up on a play or didn't didn't extend the play, you know, as the quarterbacks move around the pocket and he just kind of stood there and didn't get open, didn't find the gap in the zone. So there's so many things. And this is something, you know, as I'm talking about, I'm getting excited about and I'm trying to expand my horizons and open up a little bit more looking at the film and incorporating that with my kind of analytical and and number based models and and different things I'm looking at. So that for me personally is something that I'm looking to improve going forward. Man, these shows, they get super short. I think we found the issue and why these shows get so long. It's because Mitch and Dan, they just can't, they can't shut up, right? I'm doing a show. It's over in 25 minutes. It's incredible. It really is. But I always say Mitch and Dan, they'll say something and they'll be bouncing things back and forth. And then things pop up in my head. So while I'm jumping on here by myself, I have the things I want to talk about and nothing really pops in my head because I've already thought about it. But the big thing for me, the big takeaways here, think about what you went into the 2021 off season. Think about the processes you wanted to improve on or change. Did you do that? 
If you did, how did it work out? If you didn't, is that something you want to revisit? Or did you, maybe it was just a one-year thing and now you found success and you're not really worried about that process improvement. If it is something that you didn't change and it didn't find, you didn't find success. Me, it's those pesky mid to late quarterback twos, those boring quarterbacks that just didn't do enough for me. How am I going to fix that moving forward? That's the key question because that is where we start to find more success. And I, I said it a million times, I sound like a broken record, but that is critical. Going hand in hand with the process improvements, reviewing your old trades. That is, I think there's a lot of value to be had there because, and I, I said this before, but you identify the trends. So kind of just recapping everything I've talked about over the last 25 minutes, that is probably the biggest takeaway. What was I thinking? What did I do? And how can I change that going forward if it wasn't successful? And if it did work out, how's that something I can incorporate into my other leagues or even the same league, maybe with another trade partner and see how that works out. The big thing for me that I think is key here, and this is really just something to pose to everybody, but if you made adjustments to your strategy, was it something that didn't work? And if it didn't work, why not? Was it lack of execution? Was it something that you thought you needed to change? You know, uh, one thing might be, hey, I'm in tight end premium leagues. And last year, I didn't really get the high end tight ends. And the teams that won the titles, I saw they had those high end tight ends. And that's something I wanted to approach here in 2021. So I did it. Well, I went George Kittle. I went TJ Hawkinson, whoever it is. Maybe you just loaded up on the wrong ones. And I was talking to Mitch about this. A lot of the things that we have done, especially in startups, we tend to go tight end early-ish in tight end premium. Once you get past a certain tier, then maybe you start to transition. That's when you really fade the position. But if you went with the, the right tight ends, if you went with even, I know a lot of people saying Travis Kelsey was a bust this year, but in tight end premium, if he's putting up five catches, 50 yards, if it's two PPR, that's 15 points right there. If you went Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, you're reaping the benefits. Uh, you know, talking about the startups, we wanted to go quarterback early. That's something that is still going to be successful. So we talk about process improvements. Very few of the highest end quarterbacks lost value, if any. Running back, that was the big thing. That that's the the part where if you had a trade deadline and you were looking at those higher end running backs and you were sticking with a Zeke and Aaron Jones and DeAndre Swift, things probably didn't pan out too well for you in the playoffs. And then wide receiver, we always talk about, well, there's so much depth in the position. I want those wide receivers in like the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds of startups. That worked out really well. We're talking about your Cooper Cups, your Deontay Johnsons, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen. So some of my best teams, they still have that nice, solid core of wide receivers that you're able to get a discount on just because they're not the young, sexy names. From a process standpoint, I think that's still the way to go, but now you're going to see more of a shift, and we're seeing it in startups already, where running backs are plummeting down draft boards, and a few of those higher-end receivers are starting to see more of an uptick. So even though maybe you know C.D. Lamb was wide receiver three for dynasty purposes, he's still wide receiver three, but now we're seeing him bumped up compared to other positions, right? And that's a result, one of... 2021 season, but recency bias. And is that going to pan out? That's something still to be seen. But I, I think looking at the draft process in general, 
that's very important. So it goes hand in hand with process improvements. Is that something that worked out well for me or not? And you need to identify those gaps and that's where the value is. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed this week's episode. It, you know, when I jump on here by myself, it really is whatever pops into my head. I have a few sentences here in front of me, but you really are getting to see kind of how my brain works. So I start talking about one thing and then I'm like, Ooh, a squirrel. I, you know, I think of something else and at times maybe there is some rambling, but it's pulling away those things that could be of value, but also just getting people to think. We always talk about this. We're not necessarily trying to convince anybody of anything, but getting you to think as the listener, as the dynasty manager, and is it something that interests you? Is it something you think is complete trash? Whatever the case may be, that's the goal here. And we talk about theory. We talk about dynasty theory and getting everybody to think because of that. That is the main goal here. So anyway, again, as I said, the name of the episode, I digress. I hope everybody had a fantastic holiday season. We are now into the 2022 off season officially. I know, I know DFS people, you're still, you're shouting over there. You're saying, JB, we still got like, what, a month and a half, two months of solid DFS football. And I hope everybody is extremely profitable, but now's the time that I really dive in. I'm doing a lot of stuff with rookies and I, I know a lot of people, especially in the Debbie community, they've been doing this from day one, but now is whenever I really transition personally from in-season mode to upcoming off-season. Uh, you know, a lot of rookie talk that's really taking over Twitter. It's taking over our Discord, and it's going to be taking over Dynasty Theory here over the next several weeks leading up to the Combine, leading up to the NFL Draft. We find out draft capital, landing spots. We have the player profiles all lined up, and then Dan's going to be screaming, well, JB, watch the tape, watch the tape. Well, Dan, I have already started. I've already started, so don't you worry. I'll be throwing that in there with some of the numbers I discuss. Uh, a lot going on this offseason. Free agency. Like I said, the draft. All of the hype videos. You see Austin Eckler working up. Boom, he jumps up five rounds in ADP. It's going to be an exciting time. Beyond appreciative for everybody that tuned in each and every week or currently every other week throughout this 2021 season, but now we're hitting the 2022 off season. We hope to help you along the way. We hope you stick with us beyond appreciative from Mitch Sorensen, Dan LaMagna. I'm John Bauer. We will catch everybody later. Have a fantastic rest of your week. Peace.